0: Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation, and I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC verse on yeah another DC animated podcast, part of the forgotten entertainment family
1: hello there i'm Dom Anders, and we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories so of course we love
0: star wars and if there's one thing the internet definitely does not have enough of it is nerds who talk about star wars so every episode we journey to a galaxy far far away to discuss what is new in the star wars canon and beyond this is yet another star wars podcast
1: this week, we're getting into the Halloween spirit, but not the Halloween spirit store, with witches and zombies to discuss the season one finale of the Disney Plus series Ahsoka. The episode is titled The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warden. It was written by Dave Filoni and directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who is a staple director for The Mandalorian and other Star Wars projects. Anders, are you ready to give all of yourself to the magiques and the old ways?
0: Do I get a flaming sword with really cool face tattoos? Because if so, then yes, let's get right into it and we will punch it with an episode recap. So we open up with Morgan, she's telling Thrawn that the cargo transfer is now complete. Thrawn turns to Enoch and says, Alright, you can send two TIE fighters out after Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine. Take them out if you can, and you know, we'll see how it goes. Morgan, who again is kind of questioning Thrawn's judgment on things, something he normally welcomes is like, why bother? We're so close to leaving. Does it make a difference if you actually send these ships after them? And Thrawn kind of shoots back that he has seen many officers, including himself, underestimate a a single Jedi and pay the price.
1: Oopsies.
0: Yep. (laughs) That's how we got in this situation in the first place. That's right. (laughs) the great mothers perform a ceremony with morgan and they ask her if she's ready to pledge herself to the sisterhood their magics and the old ways morgan who looks like she's been waiting for this her entire life accepts and so her face kind of gets those magic magic tattoos face painting in the night sister pattern Mm -hmm. and the great mothers call forth the blade of talzin which they give to Morgan, this really cool green flaming sword that randomly also shows up in the newest episode of Doom Patrol.
1: <laughs> yeah, that picture you sent, I was like, wow.
0: <laughs> I saw so it. Started, I was just like, so it's getting around. cyborg is a night sister.
1: <laughs> I mean, I accept this as canon, obviously. <laughs> it's like the one night brother that they love carry the sword. Meanwhile, on board Ahsoka's shuttle, Ezra is constructing a new lightsaber and arguing hilariously with Hu Yang the whole time. Sabine mentions mm-hmm. that it was Kanan who taught Ezra how to build the lightsaber the first time, and Huyang Yang thinks that explains a lot, <laughs> which it's fair. He gives Ezra an emitter that is one of two, the other being the one that had um, been used on Kanan's lightsaber, which I cried, like, immediately. When I saw
0: it, I was like, that
1: looks like... Mm-hmm. he's like is it oh my god <laughs> but in a good way <laughs> he
0: doesn't make it into two pieces though he doesn't make it
1: no he he's not hiding so he doesn't have to do that he's finally finally not hiding Ezra finishes his blade and notices Sabine has gone Hu Yang explains to him that after Sabine's family died in the purge of Mandalore Ahsoka had become worried that she was training to be a Jedi for the wrong reasons and that it was what led to their falling out which is really sad. We're going to talk about that later. Out on the ship's wings, Sabine and Ahsoka talk about Sabine's choices, and Ahsoka reassures her that she's here to support her Padawan no matter what, just like Anakin did for her. And I cried again. Everything. (laughs) The TIEs attack the convoy. The Poor Doughty. What have they done to deserve any of this? They don't deserve any of They're this. They're
0: harboring right? Ezra, duh.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Ezra, he's a pain in the ass. Ezra and Ahsoka help the Noti and hold up the shuttle when its engines are damaged. Sabine manages to hotwire a little power and rams the fighters hilariously in like one burst of power, taking them out and crashing the shuttle in the process, which is very, very in character for any of the ghost crew, including Hera, who is an actual good pilot. Yeah. Ezra notes that this will slow them down a lot. But Ahsoka has a plan. Back at the fortress, Enoch informs Thrawn of the developments, and he considers the outcome acceptable.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Oh, so we still slowed them down? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So Hu Yang starts repairing the shuttle. Ezra, Ahsoka, and Sabine take off on Howlers, and they are running. And those poor Howlers, they probably just needed some water. Yeah, poor babies. Uh, Thrawn, Thrawn can tell that if an attack is coming now without their shuttle they're going to be forced to make a frontal assault, which is, of course, exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. While the Chimera is getting ready to dock with the eye of Scion, the Great Mothers bless several night troopers, and Thrawn makes sure that they're aware what this means. And as the Jedi get within inside of the tower, Ahsoka asks Ezra, like, what are we up against? You know, you've been here for 10 years. And he's like, I actually don't really know. Um, yeah, that doesn't
1: mean Ezra knows anything.
0: <laughs> so apparently we get a little bit of a, an information dump here that Thrawn found and rebuilt this tower. He somehow woke up the Great Mothers, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. and started to rebuild his ship, and it's been far too dangerous for Ezra to get close for a long time. Uh, But they decide, just as Thrawn knew they would, to charge the tower right from the front. As they're riding up, Thrawn starts a bombardment. Uh, I thought we might get a little bit of a... uh, a Kylo Ren situation here where Thrawn's just like staring at the screen like, Ma, take them yeah. out. Nah, <laughs> he was getting he was just, getting angry.
1: He's not as intense as Kylo.
0: <laughs> no. But the Jedi, and I include Sabine in that, uh, manage to use the force to get the front door to open and they make it inside. And then they battle the night troopers, taking out all of them. But the Great Mother's Blessing kicks in and the troopers are resurrected over. And over and over again. They are zombie troopers now. When we were all okay. thinking, are these just dead bodies reanimated? Well, now they are. they got those glowing green eyes. You mm-hmm. take them down, and they seem to just come right back up. The Chimera starts its docking process, but they need—they still need a little bit more time. These guys are mm-hmm. uh, making their way up the tower a little too quickly for Thrawn's taste. So he tells Morgan to stay behind and buy them some time for the Empire. Or, as she says, for Dathomir
1: mm-hmm yeah she's not into this empire nonsense morgan right. goes down and fights with the while ezra and sabine keep moving upward they make it to the top and keep the fight going basically like they're fighting the whole time sabine is being choked by a i think it's called a purge trooper or he's probably a death trooper
0: he when is a, manages, he, i mean he's yeah. literally a death trooper he is a yeah, dead it's, trooper
1: a dead dead, <laughs> dead death trooper <laughs> <laughs> when she manages to use the force to grab her lightsaber and stab him through the head well done girl She convinces Ezra to jump onto the chimera and she will force push him. He eventually makes it. He's like, All right, I guess we can try it. But when he turns to pull her in, Sabine has stayed behind to help Ahsoka, whose fight has reached the top of the tower. Master and apprentice fight side by side. More crying for me. Ahsoka manages to kill Morgan, but not before the blade of Talzin slices one of her white sabers, which was very sad. Thrawn orders the tower destroyed. one of the great mothers is like ex fucking excuse me.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> want to that... So that was Claudia Black, who, as I mentioned before, she's a sci-fi staple. She is the she is the type of actress who has, in the past, turned a one-episode guest spot into a series regular role through sheer force of charisma. So I'm like really waiting for her to be able to unleash <laughs> as as the great mother.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. I really like her as this character. Sabine and Ahsoka do escape on the shuttle, which Huyang arrives with just in time. Like, for real, just in time. They pull a uh, a Jedi-usual mainstay trick of just jumping off a ledge and landing onto a ship. Ahsoka, Sabine, and Huyang are desperately trying to catch up to Thrawn, who radios them. Very friendly of them. He commends Ahsoka for her efforts and muses that perhaps she's now where she needs to be. Rude. <laughs> but also, yeah, probably, actually.
0: Yeah, also, Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Eye of Scion jumps into hyperspace, leaving the group stranded. They go back down to the planet and rejoin the Noti convoy. Ahsoka looks off in the distance and sees Morai, who we will about talk time. about later. Elsewhere, Shin has approached the bandit's camp and holds her lightsaber high. Gonna join him? Balin stands on the outstretched arm of a giant statue and surveys the mountains and valley below. hmm <laughs>
0: Then we kind of cut back to the main galaxy. The Eye of Scion arrives and approaches Dathomir with its cargo completely full of what are obviously Night Sister coffins taken from Peridia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We go to the New Republic fleet and an Ada-class sh- shuttle arrives, lands, and a night trooper disembarks. Chopper approaches and the trooper puts out his hand on the droid, you know, despite the fact that everyone's holding guns on him. He takes off his helmet and Ezra reveals himself to Hera and all the assembled troops. I'm home.
1: Where's her hug? For real. They keep not giving us the hugs.
0: I'm okay with not getting the hug. We'll talk about it in a minute. There's one part of this that I'm not going to forgive. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, then we go back to Peridia. Sabine's reflecting on all of the choices she's made. She can feel that Ezra did, in fact, make it back. And Ahsoka's like, Ezra's exactly where he needs to be. And so are we. Mm-hmm. Sabine seems, she kind of sees something off in the distance, but then it's like, yeah, no, nah, it's nothing. And as they turn back to the convoy, they are under the watchful eye of Anakin Skywalker's Force ghost.
1: Yay. Good for Hayden. <laughs> we love him. Great showing from him this
0: season. Oh Yeah, great showing from Hayden this season. All right, Colleen, let's get into our reactions. What did you think?
1: Overall, I really enjoyed it. Um since I figured we are going to get more from these characters, I had a feeling we would have a lot left up in the air, which is true. And which was, it was pretty, it was okay with me that that was the case. Um, I can't see Wait to see if we do get a next season. What has in store for these characters? Um, Maybe a skeleton crew crossover to Paridia since they're going to be in like an unknown galaxy of some sort. I could see that they are connected to this portion of the star Wars universe timeline. Um, my favorite part was Ezra bickering with Hu Yang, talking about Kanan. Anything Rebels-related is probably going to get a big old thumbs up from me. I do think that Ezra probably still has a lot of pent-up emotions from leaving the ghost crew behind, so I really want to see that next time he shows up. I, I love his like, happy-go-lucky self, but I also want to see just what being here by himself has done to him. I do think the show should have been 10 episodes long. I think we needed two more episodes for development, especially for Balin and Shin's relationship. So we could better understand their choices because right now we only have Balin saying like, this is why I'm leaving, blah, blah, blah. We don't know yet why it's like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to hold on to that. Be like, why? But I think we could have used a couple more episodes with those two, especially, and more from Morgan.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think this this finale was a bit of a mixed bag. I agree with you, we needed more episodes. 10 could have possibly been up to, like, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of hoping that by the time we get around to making a C although this show has not officially been renewed for season two, we know like Filoni's working on it anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm hoping that maybe with some of these announcements coming out of kind of the Marvel TV shows and how they're kind of resetting and not doing these like six, eight episode miniseries, they're gonna focus on more like 15 to 20 episode seasons of TV and multi- multi-season. Yeah. Shows that maybe Star Wars can also kind of move back in that direction because that's usually TV wise when it's at its best. Yeah. See, at Clone Wars 13. and Rebels.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least thirteen episodes, like a mm-hmm. a half season order.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but overall, yeah, there were parts of this episode that I really, really liked. Um, I loved a lot of the action set pieces. I thought Thrawn was kind of finally almost at his best mm-hmm. Then we've seen him this season. I I, I do have some. Uh, I'm going to borrow the phrase from yet another DC animated podcast. Uh, I have some RSA alterations that I need to make <laughs> to this. Number one, I think that whether originally I was, I just thought that Morgan in her fight with Ahsoka should have been replaced by Shin. Mm. Um, but now I think, you know, you could still have Morgan do that, but I think it would have done a lot for us. Cause the only shot we get of Shin this episode is the, fi- is the final one of her approaching the bandits. And it's just like, well, where the hell have you been? Right. We saw her leave the fight with the Noti, but then we don't know what happened to her. I think it would make a lot of sense for that character to have, like, gone back, think that she's going to, you know, as Balin told her, take her place in the new Empire, just to be told by Thrawn, hey, stay behind mm-hmm. and by us time.
1: Right. Or and at I, least get a scene where we understand why she's like, no, fuck you, to that decision.
0: Exactly. Just, yeah, Something. So to do that and then go join the bandits, I think, would make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Baelin, I'm fine. We pretty much predicted last week that this was exactly what was going (laughs) to happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fine. We could talk about it a little bit more when we talk about Sabine's character, but um, I would have probably gotten rid of the Force push. It was a nice little callback, which we'll talk about. But I liked if Sabine is going to end up using the Force. And remember start of the season when the trailers for this came out you and i were both on team sabine is not a fucking jedi she should not be a force suddenly be force sensitive mm-hmm. but we've kind of come around on the idea
1: i the only reason i really like it is because she seems to finally get the hang of it when ezra's in danger like that's the only reason that we see her use the force
0: really at right. least to
1: use it well like right. ezra's in danger sabine gonna unlock some abilities y'all
0: And I kind of like that in the heat of battle, she's, you know, Mm -hmm. Ezra's in danger. She's about to die. She unlocks something in herself and she can do the grab. You know, you get the adrenaline pumping and that kind of all makes sense. I liked the idea that she was potentially pursuing kind of a different path that maybe her connection to the Force was going to ultimately look different. Mm -hmm. Which is why if we're just doing the standard telekinesis stuff, then that falls a little flat for me.
1: She did at least use her Mandalorian weapons.
0: Yeah, she did. As she is well. still doing some different things. Um, she like. was using her blaster and her saber, which was all really, really cool. I I am completely baffled. Like I was I almost yelled at my TV, Dave Filoni, what are you doing right now? When Hu Yang was the one to just tell Ezra mm-hmm. about how Ahsoka and Sabine had their falling out. I was like, why how the hell is this not a conversation between Ahsoka and Sabine? Yeah, it even leads really well into their conversation on the wing of the ship.
1: Yeah, I like, think we'll need that at some point.
0: Like, I, I underestimated you. I wasn't there for you. This is why. And now I've realized I had a mistake. And yep. the two of them hashing that out would have been. so This is the central relationship of the entire show. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't get that conversation. And I, I was baffled.
1: Why, Dave Filoni? We want an answer to this one.
0: <laughs> I want an answer to this one, because it's not like you didn't have time. You had time to say it.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially if we'd had, like, at least one more episode. I mean...
0: Yeah. I'm
1: not asking for much, Dave.
0: And then... The the one the one character beat, though, that I personally just consider absolutely unforgivable... Is, I'm okay that we didn't get, like, Ezra and Hera going up into a hug. Because it was kind of like a cutoff you know, a cut to black type moment. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. The fact that Chopper did not smack or zap <laughs> Ezra as soon as he knew it was him, doing like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how worried we've been? What were you thinking? Yeah. Like, he, he would mm-hmm. be chasing Ezra all over that ship and not letting up.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would immediately be like, blaster's time. Wait, he knows how to use a blaster. It's fine. He knows, yeah. <laughs>
0: Then my one other criticism, and this is my last criticism, if I didn't mention it in this little bit, that means everything else I really liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fight sequences. I, I liked a lot of the fights here. The the Morgan-Ahsoka fight I thought was overall really strong. Mm-hmm. And I've, when I took a step back, I really noticed I've decided that this is not a Rosario problem. I think that this is a filmmaking problem. When they decide with the lightsabers to go close up. Because when you try and get those actors up close when they're using the sabers, they just don't move fast enough. They're jerky and whatnot. And like Rosario has this like super intense look on her face, but her arms are moving at like a lazy leisure pace. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work. When you get the wide shots and they're able to just get into the fight, I don't know if that's the stunt doubles or the fight doubles or whoever, but it looks great. Ezra was on fire with his saber. This episode, he, looked great. he, he was his fighting looked great, mm-hmm. uh, and I really liked the charge. Like I liked the ground kind of um, exploding all over the place as they were charging towards the tower. Mm-hmm. I liked yeah, seeing really the cool. tower fall. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, on first watch. And I mean it still holds it still holds on second watch. That statue of we'll talk about it, it's the father. Looks mm-hmm. an awful lot like Ray Stevenson. It really does. <laughs> I was a like, why lot. is he out a statue of himself?
1: Yeah. At <laughs> first I was like, Argonath? I mean we'll talk about that later too, but and then when it panned finally to show the other two, I'm like, Oh, okay, now I know what we're doing. Like, what was this? Yeah. Um, I do have a quick question for you about why Thrawn would destroy the temple. I think that's a whole nother like making sure he cleans up after himself doesn't leave openings not for us. I don't think Ahsoka or Sabine could really use it for anything. No, Bumbut I think that's like, just
0: say let's make sure we kill them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Make sure we kill them. Also, get rid of this ancient Zeppo temple because don't trust that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> like, this, could, this could be a problem later. So we're just not going to leave it here. Right. Which, that's very Thrawn, also. Thinking of, like, every single thing that has to be done. <laughs> we'll talk about him a little later, too. Yeah. Um, should we look at our characters a little bit? I think so. Okay. Uh, started with Ahsoka, of course. She really has come a long way in this short span of episodes. Including I think that a small session... regression,
0: which, again, I yep. just don't think makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are some things which I think we need a little bit more from, but since ahsoka is so quiet especially in this show like maybe she'll get a little bit more chatty as we go on but it's hard to kind of get anything from her without dialogue and we just don't get enough of that i don't think with her like she's come a long way from therapy session with anakin making her like rethink her relationship with sabine but like how you said we didn't get a talk about it between them
0: we didn't get to talk about it and then she came out of that Anakin therapy session and was mm -hmm. immediately kind of back to before it talking to Hu Yang like can't believe Sabine can't believe she did this and it's just like well you just went through an entire world between worlds therapy session to get beyond that and now you're back and now all of a sudden in this episode she's like yeah I'm with you like we were missing pieces of that journey right
1: like we want we want more from Ahsoka our title character um I did like that we got the information that she was afraid that Sabine would end up like Anakin, that Mm -hmm. she would kind of use the force in revenge instead of as a Jedi, what they were supposed to be. Um, Thrawn even alludes to this. I really liked this part where he was like, what happens if you turn out to be just like your master? And you can see on um, Ahsoka's face, Rosario does great with this, where that fear is still there, even though she has had a chance to kind of work through some of her stuff, she still is afraid that she could possibly turn out bad, like going towards the dark side. I don't think she's ever going to, but just knowing that she has that fear still, I think makes her a more well-rounded character. Mm -hmm. It's just that she's not showing this part of her to Sabine yet, which is part of the trust. I think that she needs to show Sabine that she is afraid, and hopefully we'll get to see that next season. Um, I did like the badass fight with Morgan. Loved that. Loved that Sabine chose to stay with her. Yeah. Instead of going with Ezra.
0: Because they always do Ahsoka, better together.
1: They do better together. And then Morgan saying that she was going to die alone. And Ahsoka just that look of joy on her face when Sabine actually stayed with her. I loved that. Um, I just want to see more of their like reshaped dynamic on Priya. I want to see them trust each other more, even if like even here, Sabine does not tell her like what she's feeling or what she sees, what she senses at the end here. It's like mm, we're still not quite there with the trust. I want to see it next season. Yeah, develop it further.
0: Speaking of Sabine, so. A lot of people were hating on Sabine after this finale, and they say that some people were making the argument her actions have invalid invalidated Ezra's entire purpose, getting mm-hmm. Thrawn off the game board. Yeah, which is just straight up not true. Yeah,
1: it's not true. He's been <laughs> gone for a long time, folks. He's been I mean, gone, gone long enough.
0: <laughs> if for, yeah, if Ezra had not got taken Thrawn off the board when he did, for the time period that he did, the rebellion would have lost the war.
1: Yep, straight up, folks. <laughs>
0: What a loss! We would not have a new republic.
1: No.
0: I mean she, she, yeah, she did assist in bringing the Eye of Sion to Peridia, but she said, oh, she said, in motion some other things that could ultimately be very important in the coming, in the coming stories. Ezra's mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Ezra's back, which he is a valuable fighter, is a valued commander in the rebellion slash. Now New Republic. He's a perpetual thorn in Thrawn side. He gives us a very convenient excuse for why maybe Jason Sindula is not destroyed in Luke's Jedi <laughs> Temple. Because <laughs> he's you. maybe he's maybe <laughs> off trading with Ezra instead.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um she brought Ahsoka to beridia which seems to be a pretty consequential thing and is going to pay off in the future. Mm-hmm. Balin's seen on top of those statues, and Ahsoka is very, very closely connected and associated with the one that's crumbled. Mm -hmm. So she's where she needs to be. Sabine really didn't have any other choices. And again, this is totally in character for every member of the Ghost crew throughout four seasons of Rebels. Someone sacrifices themselves, you mess things up more so that you can sacrifice yourself to get them back. And then they'll keep going and we'll just go through the cycle until eventually we all come tumbling out somewhere.
1: And they're all safe usually at the end, so it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Ezra seems totally fine with everything that is happening right now.
0: <laughs> she needed to find Ezra in order to find herself, to find her own path. Ezra had that whole, you know, he was counting on her, and she needed to know for herself what that meant. She She managed to unlock the Force in herself. Again, this idea that anyone can potentially do it if they're willing to try, to mm-hmm. truly try, or I guess to do.
1: Yes. Maybe. Yeah, you would think so. (laughs) I mean,
0: Colleen, I said I would have probably gotten rid of the force push. Do you think that that it was too much, not enough, just right?
1: I definitely thought it was coming because we've been building up to this point for the whole time. I'm glad that they handled it in a way like it was kind of an accumulation. I don't know if she really helped much keep the door from closing, except (laughs) that she was with Ezra. And a lot of times, if you're with another force user, they can help channel your ability as well. So Ezra was probably like feeding into Sabine's abilities, whereas Sabine was probably like lending power to Ezra. It's this kind of push pull, which I I like that. Like maybe Ezra is the reason that helped her finally push through that barrier that was in front of her, and Ahsoka being in danger too, herself being in danger, like instinct just kicked in good old Mandalorian instinct kicked in and she was able to do it I'm happy for her I still don't know if Filoni planned on having her be force like a force user at first when he was doing rebels doesn't
0: highly doubt absolutely highly doubt it
1: but I do like that they're going off of the uh darksaber training arc and being like okay Kanan's words have weight Mm-hmm. I like that part. And the, the broom boy situation. Like, almost anyone can tap into this kind of, the force, this ability. And I think we're maybe going to see a lot more of that in a new season with Balon. Maybe what
0: he's looking for, possibly. Could be. I still want to see Sabine blow something up.
1: Oh, yeah. She didn't blow up enough stuff.
0: She didn't me. blow up anything, except except when she ran the shuttle.
1: That was hysterical, <laughs> people were also mad about that be like why did you do that i'm like well they had one burst of power that's literally all they had yeah that's all they had they had one shot and it looked like ahsoka even like helped push so did ezra force and ezra too like they were both like giving her a slingshot maybe like a giant slingshot kind of situation (laughs) i don't know why the tie fighters didn't get out of the way but i mean that's fine
0: Mm, it's because they're terrible pilots
1: Oh, poor babies. <laughs> you know who is actually pretty good at his job though? Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Yep. He proved to be a very wily adversary, just like in the past. Um, he basically, he won this round. He escaped exile. He's returned to the main galaxy. Um, we don't really know where he'll go from here, considering he's in orbit around Dathomir. Like, I know he has an uneasy alliance with the witches, but
0: I mean, I could see that being... Here? Yeah, that could be his base for a little bit.
1: hmm It's like, why... I think they're kind of a means to an end at this point. And I think Ron is for the Night Sisters too. But, like, what does he think of them and Dathomir in general? This is kind of like, was he on Prydia just checking out the art? I kind of think that he was. Like, he was looking at the cultural... Oh, totally. left behind. And that was how he was able to, like, find the temple, wake up the great mothers i really want to know if this was like last ditch effort situation for him like where his head was at the entire time that's true how long did it stuff.
0: take how long did it take to contact mm-hmm. morgan how long mm-hmm. did it take for her to make the on? right which yeah. effectively has experimental engines
1: yeah like this is some crazy shit that's been happening which i mean thron would maybe have stuff in the chimera like archives of projects that the empire was maybe doing and maybe he had this idea too of using a giant warp gate for purposes like this we don't know we don't know yet maybe maybe it was one of those secret plans on in rogue one <laughs> it's quite possible um we do have lots of questions about Thrawn left still like for me as the as a book creator hearing him say for the empire a bunch of times, like during this episode, you could, I could kind of detect Lars Mikkelsen doing a little bit of like a wink, which I really liked. I loved that choice because we know that Thrawn really doesn't give two shits about the Empire. He only cares about the Chiss in the Unknown Regions.
0: But he thinks so that like, the Empire is a stronger ally than the New Republic yeah, would be.
1: Which would be fair because the New Republic is a piece of shit right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> like
0: really not good
1: it's really bad he's gonna go back and be like wow this is like shooting fish in a barrel this is absolutely terrible um we just have a lot left i think for thrawn's character which will be cool moving forward especially with i think the character notes that we're getting from bringing in the canon book elements like him knowing anakin but then him saying he knows ahsoka i think he's kind of hedging his bets there a little bit too like he's trying to rile her up really Oh because yeah. Because he, he knows that he doesn't know her, but he thinks that he can predict certain things that she does, which he basically does this episode. So yeah, he's just he Thrawn's being Thrawn. He's being a badass, which mm-hmm. is basically what he's supposed to be
0: doing. I mean, you know who else is just being himself the mm-hmm. entire time? And that's our guy Ezra. hmm Iman just one of the highlights of the season. Absolutely. was him playing Ezra. I feel kind mm-hmm. of bad. I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, this, we have a star Wars series. That's finally really centering on two, in some ways, three women as mm-hmm. its main leads. Mm-hmm. And I think the two main standouts are, 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 the two men you have Iman and Ray Stevenson.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, they're just giving fantastic
0: performances. Their I performances think it's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Rosario and, um, they're doing great they are they're they're doing really well it's just really hard to stand up to these kind of performances
0: <laughs> yeah i mean iman he's just got that good natured arguing with hu yang he's so improving nice. the whole time in battle just kind of like adapting to everything around him mm-hmm. he's really comfortable with his new lightsaber despite the fact that he just made it yeah I mean, I, again, some people were like, where the fuck did he get a kyber crystal? And and I mean, there's a couple of explanations for this. One could just be that Hu Yang as the guy who spent a
1: yeah.
0: couple of uh, tens of thousands of years just orbiting Peridia. <laughs> or not Peridia, sorry. Elam.
1: Elam, yeah. He's just got spares um, hanging out. He's guys. got
0: spares. We also saw Ahsoka has training sabers in her, mm-hmm. uh, in her thing. He could have just snatched a crystal out of one of those put it on full power yep mm-hmm. there there's explanations for that uh also people were i think i saw some people who were like annoyed that he needs a saber because just because la- last week he was like eh, it's all right i got this the force is my the force is my ally and i was like yeah because in that st- in that instance he didn't really have a choice right like, he's just he was trying like, to act tough for sabine sabine, like, let's be fair. <laughs> sabine that saber is yours that's fine yeah. I can get us. I can get us out of this particular fight. But yeah, yeah. If I get the chance, I should get my own saber. It's part yeah. of the thing. It's part of the deal. Yeah. He has Hu
1: Yang, who has an entire ship filled with parts. Yeah, and Ezra likes to put stuff together. Like, yes, this is what is going to
0: happen. <laughs> but he's he's grown a lot. He's retained a lot of his former personality. He's still got that kind of sweetness to him Mm -hmm. he hasn't let this exile completely destroy him he did not go insane and like not think Sabine was real when he first saw her I mean Mm -hmm. I do want to know what he's been up to for the last several years as Thrawn was kind of rebuilding and regaining how long was he still on the Chimera before he kind of escaped and Mm -hmm. started exploring how much of a fight did he really put up with Thrawn in those early days I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. don't know what shape the Chimera was in at that point. Probably not great. It was not great. It definitely couldn't have held orbit because it didn't have windows.
1: hmm hmm
0: But now that he's back with, like, Hera and Chopper, what sort of a role can he take moving forward?
1: hmm
0: He's almost definitely not going to listen to Luke Skywalker.
1: No. I'm older than you. By like, I like a, day. a day, by like a day, <laughs> Ezra's totally gonna hold that over him though. He's like, "Yes, I'm your elder." <laughs> this little shit—that's what he does.
0: Yeah, but he could develop that relationship with Jason, mm-hmm. becoming the master to his master's son, which would be a nice little full circle moment, and definitely make Colleen cry.
1: Oh God, I would weep. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I cannot wait until Ezra gets to meet little Jason. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going be so good. He'd be like, "You were pregnant." You were having sex, and Harold be like, "Wow, did you not live on the coast?" <laughs> let's be fair; if it wasn't happening to Ezra, sometimes he did not pay attention to
0: I it. I mean, let's be fair; Zeb was probably snoring really loud.
1: Mm, that's fair. Zeb Zeb was a very loud, stinky roommate. Like, let's let's just put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> and Ezra was a pretty solid sleeper. All right, next, little bit about Balin here. We're going to talk more about him a lot later. Um, We hope the character stays on the show. Whatever he's up to with the statues and the legends of Pridia is one of the most interesting things, I think, to come out of this show. Like, I want to know, how did he learn the stories? Was he kind of like Dooku obsessive, looking back at the tales of the Jedi? Um, How did he first get involved with Morgan? Like, he's Merc, so like, how did she find him as a mercenary? Um, He basically used Morgan and Thrawn to get to Prydia, which is great. (laughs) Like, Good for you, my dude, using them. I just want to see what's next in his story and if he is Ahsoka's true adversary or if he's going to prove to be more of a partner. I'm very interested to see where his character is going. I'm very glad they didn't kill him off.
0: I'm glad they didn't kill him off. I, again, if we had like another episode or two, mm-hmm. we could have gotten a little bit more out of him that could have previewed kind of where he ends up. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he spent some time talking to Shin about this is where stories are from. And I'll, we're just kind of sitting here being like, what stories? Tell, Give us a campfire mm-hmm. story.
1: We want the stories.
0: Like a nice, <laughs> yeah, sitting around a fire while they're out like ch- trying to catch up with ahsoka and sabine Mm -hmm. what is one of the stories be really nice to know
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then we have shen who like we said earlier Mm -hmm. didn't go back she chose to stay on paridia even though balin told her to go back so the big question is why why did she make this choice Mm -hmm. why didn't we get to see her make this choice Mm -hmm. i mean she went to the only other people on Purtier who could possibly help her, and I think she's like <laughs> taking command of them.
1: Oh, yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. When
0: she holds up the saber, she's like, Yeah, that's right, I'm the pan now.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh,
0: but what is her ultimate plan? Is she going to try and find Balin again? Is she going to try and like kidnap him back? Is she going to find Ahsoka and them and be like, You all ruined my fucking life? Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. A lot of unanswered questions about Shin. And I hope we get answers.
1: I think we will. I'm very hopeful for this. Just because they did not choose to kill off these characters. I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. I love a a gray Jedi, everyone. (laughs) I know they're not Jedi, but they definitely are in the gray when it comes to characters. So I like to see these kinds of characters and archetypes stay around. Because Mm -hmm. it gives us a little bit more interest than just light side dark side which i think is what star wars often needs sorry george <laughs> okay so we have one final character that we wanted to take a look at and that is morgan Elizabeth. we were really excited that she got to do a fight with Ahsoka absolutely because diana lee um Osanto is an icon and an amazing martial artist and a step performer so this, this was is more, more the likely her cast the her. whole time. Yeah. More more than likely that this was her the entire time. I'm guessing Rosario did have a stunt double for at least some of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure Diana was like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> do this with my eyes closed. Um, it was really cool to see a night sister fight live action because this is how Ventress would have fought against Jedi in the Clone Wars. And Diana just played this character so well that it's really tough to see her go. I thought we would maybe get a little bit more.
0: I would have liked to have gotten a little bit more development from her. A little bit, I would have liked to know a little bit more about her choices. The Ferdathomir at the end was kind of like, wait, were you using Thrawn this whole time? Right. Which, like, why, if you knew where the great, if you knew, like, that this was a place for the Night Sisters, you couldn't have just picked the taken the eye of Scion or built another ship and just gone straight for them and kind of cut Thrawn out of the middle. Unless right. I mean we don't know the full dynamics of the deal between Thrawn and the Great Mothers.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: But that was an interesting that was an interesting tidbit to add, only to then kill the character.
1: Yeah. I'm sad that we had to see her go, which is why I'm hoping the great mothers get to do more mm-hmm. coming up. Or that we get to see another Night Sister just be badass again. Because, like, yeah, the show is giving us so many powerful, fantastic women. And Morgan was a good foil for Ahsoka. So then who's going to be Ahsoka's adversary coming forward? Shin. Yes, Shin. If Shin's skills get better. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> she is She is good. She can beat Sabine. Like, kind of to a standstill. But I don't know about Ahsoka. I think she still has a ways to go. Um, it was cool to see that Morgan is a diehard knight sister. Like, she's willing to give up everything to see her people regain even a piece of, like, their former glory. Right. It's like, I'm not afraid to die for this. And even though she knew that she was probably going to die, or at least be left behind, she did everything in her power to make sure that the Great yeah. Mothers and Thrawn would get away. Yeah. I want another character like this. I want another Night Sister. Can we bring About Ventress have... back from the dead?
0: <laughs> it looks like we're going to bring a lot of Night Sisters back from the dead. So,
1: mm-hmm. that is very true. Very very true. I want, more. I want more. She's
0: actually Ventress is buried on Dathomir, right? That's where she ended up.
1: Um, she was there for a little. She kind of moved around a lot because in the book, Dark Disciple. She was kind of moving around, but she did bring Quinlan back.
0: That's right, okay.
1: Dathomir for a point.
0: Am I confusing this in my head? Which one of them died at the end of Dark Disciple? I thought it was It's Ventress and he (laughs) brings her back and he brings her back to Dathomir. Oh, sort of resting place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That would be all right. (laughs) (laughs) We just want to see her cast really well if they are gonna bring Ventress back. That'd be really cool. Um, okay, I think we're ready to head into our homages Zoe <Saldana>. and the egg section. Mm?
0: Zoe Saldana has the perfect ventress. She is the perfect. She it, it sounds really weird. She is the perfect ventress neck and face shape.
1: That's true because <laughs> she's like the former ballerina, so she definitely has yeah the kind of physicality. I think that ventress definitely needs that'd be cool.
0: And I mean, I'm it's, right like with that. The, it's the one franchise she's not a part of. <laughs>
1: yet <laughs> let's just start pushing for this immediately all right so for our easter eggs we're going to start out with that title the jedi the witch and the warlord is a direct reference to c.s lewis's the lion the witch and the wardrobe which is of course a staple in fantasy literature we're thinking ahsoka morgan and thron were the key figures this episode so the title most likely refers to them even though jedi could be technically any of them and jedi is also the plural so it could just be the group of jedi but yeah. i like it more as three distinct figures so i'm going to go with that <laughs> uh since the book deals with the overthrowing of a dangerous dictator is that what we're going to get next season or is it going to be more like the witches are all like going to be a huge problem i think forward? the
0: witches could be a huge problem moving forward but i think that it, in terms of not even next season it's that's that's more of a long term like The Mm -hmm. final crossover movie, Mm -hmm. the Heir to the Empire Mm -hmm. film.
1: Yay, movie. Good job, Dave Filoni. We want it. Okay, next we have that great moment where Thrawn mentions that he knew plenty of Imperials who underestimated the Rebellion and the Jedi. He's talking about himself and Ezra, definitely. But he's also talking about officials like Governor Price from Rebels and even Palpatine. The Emperor was way too busy making his giant Death Star that was a better option. Like, Thrawn's TIE Defender program would have been so much better. Thrawn knew this. He did not respect the Emperor in this aspect. And, you know, like we've said before, Thrawn gets the TIE Defenders going, the Rebellion falls.
0: Yeah, like it d- it does Luke not win. Before
1: even does anything, the Empire just crushes them.
0: <laughs> uh. Next up, we have, we mentioned this earlier, Kanan's lightsaber design. Uh, when Ezra is making this, Hu Yang uh, says that he had this spare emitter specifically for Kanan's saber, just in case he needed another one. So Ezra gets his masters and makes that saber. But it doesn't. Ezra makes a fun little reference to the emitter being too thin, that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is a nod to a lot of people's complaints at the start of Rebels with how the lightsabers were, were too thin. Yeah, Uh, They were based off the original Ralph McQuarrie designs, and the thinner blades in Rebels were meant to emit more like sword points.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Ezra's blade is blue this time, which was his first saber, and then he made the green one after uh, Vader broke that one. He made the Mm -hmm. green one that Sabine now has, and now he's back to blue. Is this a shift in his personality? Is this just we don't want to have too many blues next to each other? We could just be doing a green and a blue.
1: Yep. Green, blue, white. We just want all the colors.
0: Yep. And we talked a little bit about already about how there are a couple of potential explanations for where that kyber crystal came from, and just, just go with it. Stop whining.
1: Yeah. Just go with <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm not going to whine about, though? Caleb Doom. We got a mention of Kanan Jarrus's real name. During his chat with Ezra and Sabine, Hu Yang calls Kanan by his true name Caleb once and adorably recalls that Caleb was a little shy. This is a nice callback to Rebels and Kanan's character. We want to see more of it. And also, who wouldn't have been a little shy during freaking Clone Wars if you were a Padawan? Yeah,
0: and this was a nice callback to Rebels and Caleb that didn't seem quite as forced. Yeah, This wasn't Hu Yang, just the, out of nowhere, being mm-hmm. like, he is special. His father was Kanan Jarus, a Jedi.
1: <laughs> yeah, this dialogue was a lot better. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Next up, we have that flaming green sword, the Blade of Talzin. So, Morgan's cool as fuck flaming green sword is named Talzin, which was also the name of the knight's CSR leader in Clone Wars. I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if maybe that's more of a title than a name. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mother Talzin was a formidable magic user and was often at odds with Palpatine, Count Dooku, and General Grievous, although she was in league with Dooku on a few occasions. She Back used <laughs> she used this sword uh, when dueling Mace Windu in Clone Wars season six. She is Darth Maul's actual mother. Yep, wild shit, everyone. <laughs> and sent him to Palpatine partially as like a little bit of like a payment or a sacrifice. When Maul was a young child, mm-hmm. Darth Maul's childhood was just not pleasant.
1: No, it was real bad, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, again, is Talzin a title? Is it more of just like a family name? We don't know and we want to know more about the Night Sisters and the Great Mothers. Seriously. Thrawn woke them up. What does that mean?
1: hmm Yeah, were they in Why
0: Were they in cases?
1: Like, yeah, why? We we don't know. We want to know. Uh, speaking more about the Night Sisters, the creepy speech that the Great Mothers give to Morgan is the exact verbiage used by Mother Talzin to Assage Ventress in the Clone Wars episode Massacre. Talzin was giving Ventress the gift of shadows as well. Unfortunately, Ventress wasn't able to stop the massacre of the Night Sisters, and she eventually fled the planet as one of the only survivors. Mm-hmm. Super sad. The Night Sisters are great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Next up, we have Sabine's line of, I try, I mean, I do. Ahsoka <laughs> asks Sabine, she's been keeping up with her training, and Sabine at first is like, yeah, I try, but she knows that Jedi chestnut of Yoda's and quickly changes her answer to, I do. This mm-hmm. was another line that got a really good shout out in Rebels, and a much more cohesive explanation.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Enons, Rebels? Like, nobody knows what... Nobody knows what he
0: means, but then later on, he's like, actually, I do understand. I'm not going to try to teach you. I'm going to teach you.
1: Yes. Which was a much better interpretation, I think, than just being like, trying versus just doing. Yeah. Damn it, Yoda. Be a little more clear. Come on now, my dude. You know what actually was really clear this episode, though, Anders? Ron is a really good boss. (laughs) Is he, though? I mean, yeah, considering what the other Imperial officers were like. Um, when Enoch reports that the TIE fighters were most likely destroyed on their home mini mission, Thrawn reminds Enoch to give the captain citations, which might seem unusual during a really chaotic time like this, but Thrawn likes rules. Thrawn likes honoring people who are doing a good job. He also mentions that the troopers who are blessed by the Great Mothers are all volunteers and know what will happen to them if they die. He could have easily ordered them to do this, but that's just not how Thrawn works as a commander. He pretty much is a cult of personality because of how good he is as a commander, both in battle and just as a dude. He's always thinking about like maintaining order, make sure discipline's in place, but he also thinks about the welfare of those under his command. He doesn't like to waste resources or people. So this is, I like that Filoni included these kind of little details here, yeah, because it's very in line with Zahn's interpretation of his character in the books.
0: Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Ezra mentions that this whole zombie situation has never happened before. And while that's technically true, Ezra has seen something very similar to this. Sabine? I don't know if you could call it has seen something similar to this. She was a part of something very similar to this mm-hmm. in season three of Rebels. Uh, Maul wakes up some very very cranky Night Sister spirits, uh, and you know they're not necess- they don't possess dead people like mm-hmm. this. But Kanan and Sabine were alive and were very much possessed in that episode, and were like doing the whole crawling on the wall like a crab or like a like a weird creepy sloth spider, mon- creepy spider monster. Thing and it was really creepy. They had the green eyes. Mm-hmm. It was bad.
1: It's like because Ezra blocked this out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I would.
1: No kidding. That was a really, really freaky episode. Once again, everyone watch Rebels. It's not just kids. <laughs> Yay, night Sister, creepy witches, possessions. It's all working. um Next, we have this is called the Purge Troopers. In um, certain places across Ezra and Sabine as they're trying to get to the Chimera, these guys are like way brawny. Like way bigger than the uh, normal stormtroopers. Looking, I was really hoping that they are not Pick and Waffle, who are characters from the third canon Thrawn novel, Treason. They were Death Troopers who were stationed with Thrawn during the Imperial reign and were highly loyal to him. So I'm like, please don't kill off Pick and Waffle. They were fun, <laughs> as fun as as fun as uh, Death Troopers can be, but they were still fun. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit, the Force-assisted jump or push. I really loved seeing it because it was a direct callback to Rebels and how Ezra was always really excited <laughs> to talk about this technique and to share with people. He used it a lot. Um, in Rebels, Ezra technically had two teachers, Kanan and Maul, Light and Dark, and he used this technique with both of them during the show.
0: I thought this was, this was a pretty direct callback to the, to the time with Maul. Mm-hmm. Where Ezra's the one be like, no, it's okay, we got this. I do this all the time. And yeah. this time it's Sabine telling him, like, hey, it's okay, I got this. We, we can do it.
1: And Ezra's like, all right. <laughs> Doesn't even hesitate. <laughs> More references
0: to Twilight of the Apprentice. Mm. All right, next up, I mean, again, totally in character for Ezra. he, uh, he Ezra pulls a very classic Star Wars com trick on the uh, Star Destroyer just by being like, mm. okay, yeah, sure, bye. And then...
1: No problem. his up. own
0: personal character, grabs the night trooper armor, particularly the helmet, in order to escape on the Chimera. Ezra is always dressing up like a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Oh, throughout Rebels, he's not, obviously not the only one. Uh, we get a hilarious Kanan and Rex time with it. All the way back in A New Hope, we have Luke and Han doing it.
1: Remembering that scene when <laughs> he knocks them Knocks them both out. Poor yeah. canon and Rex in that situation.
0: And then Chop plays it back. Mm-hmm. But he gets back and Chopper recognizes him right away. Again, mm-hmm. Chopper would have murdered him on the spot for putting yeah. them through this. Mm-hmm. But Chop always knows when Ezra's up to some shit.
1: Yep. Always. Knew immediately. Just rolled right over there. Poor heroes probably like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get back here. I told you not to go over there. Uh, Next, we have Ronin. Great, great callback here. Thrawn says that maybe a Ronin such as Ahsoka is where she belongs at the end of the episode. A Ronin is actually a term from our world. It is a masterless samurai from feudal Japan. And Ronin is also the main character of the First Visions short film, The Duel. And the accompanying novel is also called Ronin. It's like, ooh. Get some like more gray Jedi <laughs> slash ex dark side user.
0: That's a great language. short and a really good book, Mm
1: hmm. Agree.
0: Next up, this next one's for our very good friend Flo. At the episode end, know. Sabine senses something but denies it. Uh, Ahsoka even appears not to really notice Anakin's force ghost watching over them, but we do get that nice shot of Anakin. And Kevin Kiner added a nice little callback. To Across the Stars, which is Anakin and Padme's love theme from Attack of the Clones.
1: I thought immediately of Flo when that started (laughs) playing. I was like, Flo, you watching? You listening? This is for you. This one, I think, was more for us, although Flo does love Rebels too. We finally get a sight of Morai. We chatted last time about not having seen Morai yet, and here we go. She's here. Morai is a convert bird and the symbol of the daughter Mortis God, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. She often accompanies Ahsoka and perhaps this is why the daughter's statue is damaged. The daughter simply isn't there anymore. Her presence is not on this planet because she's with Ahsoka.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. And then getting into this, let's talk Mortis gods, Mm -hmm. uh, that crumbling statue of the daughter. So at the end, Balin stands upon Argonath, I mean, <laughs> the Mortis God statues. He is perched on the father, who, like I said earlier, looks just like him. Yep, yep. Uh, and the son is on the left. On the right is the daughter, though her statue is broken and crumbling. So let's take a step back here. We've talked about the Mortis Gods a little bit before, but just mm-hmm. to, to recap, who are the Mortis Gods? Why are there statues here? Feloni first introduced the father, son, and daughter in a Clone Wars Season 3 arc. Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan are caught up in these gods family drama. Ahsoka Mm -hmm. died. Uh, Anakin (laughs) Anakin found out what his future held as Darth Vader, and Obi-Wan had to witness it all. Well, then Ahsoka was brought back to life because the daughter sacrificed herself, Mm -hmm. uh, and the son was ultimately defeated. There's still kind of an air of sadness around the whole thing. Uh, The trio Mm -hmm. reappears in uh, just a painting form at the end of Rebels outside the Jedi Temple on the Thal. The painting was interactive, and we also got to see that these are motifs from around the galaxy based Mm -hmm. on the research of what's-his-name, who's not smarter than Sabine.
1: (laughs) Palpatine's good friend. (laughs) Yes.
0: The painting was interactive. Ezra was able to gain entrance into the mystical world between worlds by using the painting along with Sabine's help.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If either of them had seen these statues, they would have definitely known who who they were. Possibly, could have guessed at their significance. I would like to see Sabine kind of flex her art skills that way. Yes. Um,
1: we need more of that too. Yes, explosions also, it's, and art.
0: <laughs> one thing—it's uh, also definitely worth mentioning. Ahsoka died, got brought back to life. Anakin sees his future. Obi-Wan sees it all, and then their minds get wiped. Their memories yeah, of they the entire remember. incident get wiped when they leave. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they don't remember anything, which is like...
0: And at that point, alright, so the daughter has died. Mm-hmm. I With think the, the
1: son... The father and son also kind of die.
0: Yeah. It's kind of left yeah. up in the air as to what was going on there.
1: Mm-hmm. Basically, they're, they're gone. But the daughter... Well, at least that part was gone from the world. Right.
0: The daughter represents the light side of the force, the The, the son is the dark side, and the father is the balance. He's
1: the Bendu. He's he in is the, the
0: Bendu. He's in the middle.
1: Okay, and then uh, we've mentioned before that Ahsoka is associated with the daughter. More has popped up numerous times to show Ahsoka the way or hint that Ahsoka is or was around. Why is the daughter's statue crumbling on Viridia? We don't know. We're going to find out, hopefully. Is the planet's balance off, maybe, because of the Night Sisters being there? Or the Great Mother's awakening? Does this symbolize that Ahsoka is definitely where she needs to be? in order to stop whatever could be happening, whatever Balin is planning. This is great, great stuff. I love a lore a lore drop from Filoni, because yeah. we know it's gonna be really cool.
0: Yeah, he definitely has a plan with this and he probably has a plan for why Balin is standing on the father specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does he see himself as the one who can somehow repair this balance be- between light and dark, get control of the galaxies? Is he seeking like the source of it all? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: supposedly supposedly by ignoring the father's request in Clone Wars which was basically to take his place and babysit his children Mm -hmm. Anakin set the chaos of the force into motion Uh, although maybe he reestablished that balance by killing off Palpatine we don't know and again just what exactly is Balin up to here how much does he know does he believe he knows about the Mortis gods
1: mm-hmm
0: why did he have to come here if we've seen them in our main galaxy why does he think he has to come here to connect with them the mountain in the distance gives kind of a a mordor feeling definitely like there's some kind of a uh there's some kind of darkness uh, across that way that the father is pointing to
1: yeah he's pointing at it and there's kind of like a light it looks like a lighthouse yeah or a beacon kind of
0: Beacon, Mortis calls for aid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god.
0: (laughs) And Balin will answer.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) It makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. But could it be, I mean, could it potentially be something like the source of the Force itself? Which is a little strange considering we had that whole arc with Yoda and the Wills.
1: There's a lot that could be going on here. This could be like primordial kind of situation. Very curious, Dave Filoni, what you got cooking in there. We want to know.
0: That's right. So actually, leading us right into our next things, our questions, our predictions, and a little bit since this is the finale, our kind of season-long season, season long reflections. I mean, my main thing is we're getting a season two, right? We, we have <laughs> to at this point. Mm -hmm. overall i liked the season of tv a whole whole lot it wasn't like the most amazing spectacular thing i've ever seen but it was a really solid entry and even Mm -hmm. though i had problems along the way and things to critique i think that those are all things that could be ironed out in a season two i think it's very clear that dave filoni has a plan
1: oh yeah and i would like
0: to see him see it through
1: Mm -hmm. he's an outliner he is not he's a plotter he is not a pantser
0: yeah so he has definitely got some interesting stuff ahead for us. Um I think we've kind of mentioned most of my questions here, but I like the idea that all of the characters, I mean, I will li- I, I would like to see what happens to Ezra. I want mm-hmm. see I want to see him and Sabine back together again. But if we're going to focus this series on Ahsoka, Sabine, and now we have Shin and Balin, it's good that they're siloed off and they can kind of do something completely separate that deepens our understanding of the the larger story, but functions very, very well siloed off like this. Right. I think we're in a great position in that regard.
1: I I think we're in a great position to know why Ashley Eckstein's voice is in um, The Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Yes. Supposedly that is only Jedi who are dead. So I think we might be heading towards a situation where Ahsoka becomes one with the light side of the Force in some way. Like maybe fulfilling the role of being the new daughter. Could It's be. hard to say. I really don't want her to be dead. <laughs> but her, her Ahsoka's voice does speak to Rey. So there, she definitely could be. Or else she was phoning it in. Because she's like, oh, I hear a call. I better, better answer this call. But since Ezra was not included in those voiceovers, I'm very, very sad to think that we might lose Ahsoka by the end of this whole thing. Maybe not until Air to the Empire movie. But I have a bad, I have a bad feeling about this. A <laughs> <laughs> bad feeling. That that's where we're headed. Um, really, am excited to see more of the Morgas gods lore. I think Filoni's cooking with this one. I think he has just been set free by George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy. And they're like, yes, good, sir. Go make your delicious stew and we will make whatever that you want to give us. Um, I do hope that they decide to recast Ray for Balin just because his character, I think, has so much more to do. We talked a little bit about possibilities of people taking over the role. I want to nominate Holt uh, McHennelly. He played FBI agent Bill Tench on the Netflix show Mindhunters, and I think he's fantastic.
0: That's a good choice. Do
1: a good job just stepping into this kind of fatherly role. Uh, he's also already part of the Star Wars universe as a voice actor. He was a voice actor for the video game Star Wars Demolition. So he's he's in there, he's already part of Star Wars. Like, let's just make him. The father slash Balon. <laughs> I'm here for it. Basically I just want more. I want I want Rebel Season 6, please. And thank you.
0: Yes. All right. And with that, so before we go real quick, it is October. It is Halloween time. I do want to give a quick shout out to uh Lego Star Wars on YouTube. Right now, there are three new Lego Star Wars Halloween shorts that are absolutely Delightful. You have the Sith the Sith Witch of Mustafar, which is a hilarious oh, Vader Palpatine uh adventure. You have Mech My Day, which involves a stormtrooper making a giant mech suit and trying to fight Vader with it. Oh and it's absolutely hysterical. Amazing. And then you have Mando Ween, where little Lego Grogu sets up Pelly's shop full of Halloween decorations for Djarin.
1: Oh, my God. I need to go watch this
0: immediately. <laughs> they are very good. And, of course, check out uh, on Disney Plus uh, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales from last year or even two years ago now.
1: That one's hysterical. It's so funny. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Mm-hmm.
0: But with that, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twix and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcast. Hit that follow button. Leave us a five-star review. Check out all of our previous episodes. Star Wars films, other Star Wars TV. Uh, You can find all of our Rebels coverage on the Bohemian Geek Studies feed and check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family over at ForgottenEntertainment.com and join us next time. Not sure exactly when we'll be back, but it is in all likelihood going to be for the next major Star Wars project, The Acolyte, which is the one I have been most excited about for about two years now. Hype,
1: hype, hype. hype. I saw the leaked trailer. Yeah,
0: I saw the leak trailer and it just looks fucking dope.
1: Looks freaking amazing, <laughs> everyone! I'm am so excited about the acolyte.
0: <laughs> oh, and also uh, just came out now. I just started it. Uh, the part of Solo, a Star Wars story that we considered the best part, which was Kira. Kira now has her mm-hmm. own novel, Crimson Climb, mm-hmm. which tells the story of how she ends up where she ends up at the start of Solo, or I guess in mid Solo. Yeah, but until... excitement
1: about Kira, everything Kira, give Amelia Clark something to do.
0: Yes, she's had a lot of growth in the comics, and now she gets like a novel by the same author, E. K. Johnson, who wrote Ahsoka.
1: Oh yay! So then we know it'll be good. Yay. <laughs>
0: But until next time, always remember, it doesn't matter if you cross the strip and cause yourself and your mentor to be stranded in a totally different galaxy with absolutely no hopes of ever being rescued. Just as long as you got him. <laughs> Bye, everybody.
1: Friendship's great. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>